It was about 3 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon. I sat in my car and just wept. I wept for probably a good 15 minutes. Tears came down my face. I just cried like a baby. And I could not believe what had just happened. Let me give you the backdrop on part of my journey on becoming the financial evangelist. It was late 2000s. I had just been laid off from a Silicon Valley company because the dot-coms were crashing and no one could seem to figure out what had happened. And so what I had to do was, I know I still had to feed my family. So what I did was I said, hey, you know, I want to get into the financial industry. And um, the only way to get in or the easiest way or what I would call the least path of resistance was to get in through insurance. Because insurance companies were always looking for insurance agents, obviously, to sell their products. So I applied to work at an insurance company, not going to give you the name, but it was a pretty prominent uh, insurance company. And uh, and that's what I wanted to do. If I wanted to work for a company, I wanted them to be their name to be least recognizable. Right. I wanted people to be able to understand who they were and that they would be visible in the presence of people if they had to look them up. So I applied for this company and I applied for the company. I started working with them. I started uh, seeing clients and visiting clients, but I was amazed at what I was able to learn going through this insurance company. And they were teaching me so much. That was the best part about working there was I learned a lot about insurance, which I will cover on my journey to becoming the financial evangelist. But this particular case and what I want to share with you here is why I was crying and why I was weeping um, like a baby for about 20 minutes on a Tuesday afternoon around three o'clock. I was working with clients. I started to see more and more clients, but what the clients would do was they would bring out additional paperwork. They would say, okay, so can you tell me um, about my retirement information? I was like, well, I'm just an insurance agent. Right. I don't know anything about retirement. I don't know. Um, I can't help you. Well, do you know anyone that can help me? No, I don't. Right. And so I was just getting into the industry. So I really didn't have any connections. Definitely anyone that did not know anything about uh, financial matters. But I, when I left a home, I always felt that I should be able to do more. And I always felt that, you know, when a tool person shows up, or a person comes, a repair person shows up, they have a tool belt on. And normally if something requires a flathead screwdriver, you know, they have a flathead or something requires a Phillips screwdriver. Um, you use a Phillips screwdriver for if you required a wrench, so on and so forth. And they'd have a tool belt and they'd have, they just reach over on their belt and says, oh, this, this particular screw needs this, this particular socket needs this. And I, I pride myself on wanting to try to have the answers, definitely when it came to insurance. So the insurance portfolio was very large. And so it did not matter what they need when it came to insurance. I was able to offer that for them, but I felt like I should be able to offer more. So what fast forward two years in, right? And two years in, I had already um, taken a a couple more licenses and I had what we call as a series six 
license and what a series six license allowed me the ability to do. And this is my first, again, I'm trying to give you the journey on becoming the financial evangelist and how my life was starting to be shaped. I just wanted to add more. So I, I took the series six exam, um, and I failed it the first time around. And let me tell you what the series six is. And, and these are just, and I'm educating you as well. So you'd understand if, if someone approached you, you would understand a little bit more what was going on, but a series six license allowed you the ability to sell and or solicit variable products. And so what that meant was if a person had, they sold you life insurance, if they sold you life insurance, they would sell you either term or some type of whole life. But in order for them to sell you a variable insurance policy, uh, a variable insurance policy is something that had anything to do with the markets, anything to do with any type of funds or any type of cash value on the back end that was associated with the market. They had to have at least a series six license. Now, a series six license is the beginning stages of getting into securities. It didn't give you a full blown license, but it was almost like a license with training wheels or a trial license. And you didn't get into the details and the nitty gritty of the actual funds. You just had the ability to sell some type of funds. And so I was I felt it the first time because I didn't expect that. I didn't know when I was taking my insurance exam, you, you pretty much studied for a week, 40 hour class, 40 hour course. And they, they taught us about insurance. They taught us about annuities. They taught us what you can do as a producer and what you could not do, what was illegal, what was not illegal. Right. And, but I, I was not prepared for the series six. So I thought I studied a little bit. I said, ah, oh, yeah, I'll buy a book. I'll study for it. I get there and I'm blown away. I was like, oh my goodness, this is really tough. So I ended up taking it. Um, I felt it the first time. I ended up coming back and taking it two, two months later. And I studied, I knew what to expect this go around. I'm talking about my journey here. I'm talking about how things started to evolve for me and how I started to obtain all this knowledge. And I think a lot of people think it was easy, right? Because I know it now like the back of my hand, but it was by, by no means easy. So I go in and take it for the second time and I pass it. So at this particular stage, I'm now able to sell variable life insurance policies. So I started out selling term and whole life, right? And this is a company that really, really believed in whole life. And I think I'm going to do a podcast on my journey to kind of tell you what the difference between the two is and the reason why they believe so much in whole life and and why some people don't believe in whole life. And there's there's a couple of different rules and there's a couple of different camps that people come from uh, that they either believe in term and invest a difference or they believe in whole life. And so I'm going to be able to break all of that down to you if you follow me on this podcast and some of the tools that I may be able to have for you that you'll be able to get a better understanding of that. But let's go back to the reason why I was crying and boohooing like a baby on uh, that Tuesday evening shortly after three o'clock. So I, I get this license, uh, the Series 6 license, and I'm ecstatic, right? So now when I sit down with people, now I have at least one more tool in my tool belt. So now I did not just have whole life 
or a term in my pocket, but I had variable life insurance as well because you could not sell variable life insurance unless you at least had a Series 6 license. And a Series 6 license uh, was, I think it was a two-hour exam. It was a two-hour exam. And so I get the the license. I come back. Everybody's happy. I'm happy. Uh, my wife's happy. And so I get this license. So now I'm showing up and talking to people. Hey, you know, you. I know you asked me about. Um, you asked me about investments. You know, how have you considered a life insurance policy as an investment? So now what I had in my backpack and or my tool belt was. I now had the ability to sell a variable life insurance policy, which some people say, hey, you can use it for investments, which that's another story for a podcast. That's another podcast story later on. But I'll probably share a little bit of that with you as well as you continue to follow me with my journey here. And so now when I'm having discussions, I now have one more tool on my tool belt. And it says, well, no, tell me about variable life insurance policies. And what I was able to tell them or what I was able to share with them is, hey, listen, you have an opportunity now to take the cash value that's on the back end of your policy. And now you have the ability to invest that in different funds. And they're like, oh, that sounds interesting. So how much does that cost? And so what was happening is um, I would actually be able to do a quote for that and the whole life and the universal life. Oh, well, not universal life, but whole life um, term and variable. Right. And so what what happened is I started doing that. But the client would walk away confused. I would walk away a little bit confused. I was like, who would invest their money, their cash value money and funds on the back end? And just being very traditional. And I really didn't know a whole lot about life insurance before I got into the business. You know, that is my disclaimer uh, that until I learned how powerful it was. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was to confuse the clients even more. And so I did that. I walked around with the variable life insurance uh, license or series six for about an, another year. And but what I walked, I didn't sell that many. Actually, I think I may have only sold one, but I positioned it to everyone. But everyone was just not interested in it. And for the reason is, is because it's confusing. Right. It's like, why would I mix this with that? Right. And I'm going to do another podcast, probably the one after this one that I'll kind of explain to you what the issue is and what the confusing issue is and what the pros and cons of it is of having a variable life insurance on the back end of a insurance policy. But I wanted to take you to the reason why I was crying like a baby um, on that Tuesday afternoon. So, so what happens? So fast forward a year, right? And I was in the business and I got to tell you, I was doing pretty good. And the reason why I think I was doing good, and a lot of people say, well, why do you think you were doing good? And I was like, I couldn't put my finger on it, but here's what I thought. And here's the reason why I thought I was doing good. For one, I was with a very, very good company. And the company educated me so much so that I just was, I was just overeducated, right? And it's like, please, not another training class. But what they did was, and they knew what they were doing. 
they're investing so much into me. I mean, they flew me out to Texas. They flew me out to a couple of different places just to go to additional training. So I'm with this company. I'm doing well. My wife comes to me. She says, hey, um, let's move. You're doing well now in your business, your, 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 your particular business. You're building a book of business. You know, we, we, you know, we're having another kid. I mean, let's, we let's grow, right? Let's move. Let's get another house. And I was like, okay, well let's, let's get another house. Right. And so we got a deal on a house. We, we cashed out on our first house. We did very well, by the way. And we started building a new house, uh, a large house, in fact, um, and but we were we were doing pretty good. We were making money. Uh, the economy was rebounding, and I was no longer in IT, so I didn't have the stability. But I was able to make a lot more money. But again, I didn't have the security uh, of a paycheck. I was more working off mostly commissions. And anybody that's ever worked in a commission job knows that you can have very very good months and you can have very bad months. But Overall, you can do very well on the long term with insurance and in the commissions that they paid. So my wife, she believed she says, wow, you're doing good. Let's buy a new house. And I was like, OK, great. Let's do it. Let's buy a new house. So we 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 built the house. Right. So we went. It was a track home. You go in there, pick out your your interior. You pick out your countertops, your floors, you know, the bathroom amenities, all those types of things. So we're building a house and it says, listen, hey, your house is going to be anywhere. It's going to take anywhere between six to eight months to build. And we were like, OK, well, we're OK with that. You know, so we sold our house. We ended up moving into an apartment until our house was built. So we moved into a two bedroom apartment. And so so we get in this two bedroom apartment and I'm still out seeing clients, seeing customers. So then I I was at this um, expo, right? I was at an expo, uh, had my insurance uh, table there, talking to people about insurance. And then this one guy comes by, he says, hey, you know, I see you doing insurance. I was like, yeah. He says, hey, how would you like to own your own business, become a stockbroker? own your own business. And by the way, if you still wanted to do insurance, you can do that as well. And I said, oh, that sounds interesting, right? Because ultimately I was trying to grow in my business, right? So I was already in about a year and a half. And this gentleman came to me and says, hey, how would you like that opportunity? We're looking to grow in this area. Give me a call. So I called him and he says, hey, I want to set up a dinner appointment with your wife and my wife, and I just want us to just converse, and I want to talk about you starting your own business, have your own office, have your own assistant. And I was like, wow, let's do it. And so I begged my wife, because my wife just does not do things like that. She's That's just not her, but she was wanting to support me, right? Again, we're still in this apartment. So we're in, we're in this apartment and um, we're cramped up. It's a two bedroom apartment. You know, I have two kids. I have a baby. I have a, a younger younger son. So I have two kids. And my wife and I are in another apartment. We had not been in an apartment um, since they were born because when we were born, we brought them home. We brought them home to our house, our first house. So, but at the same time, we were trying to build a house, a larger house to accommodate all of us. So, so. 
we end up meeting with them, right? And, you know, they pull up and, you know, they have this nice BMW and all that other stuff. They took us to, I want to say it was Red Lobster. So we get the Red Lobster, uh, we're eating, you know, uh, table is a little intense, right? Because I didn't know what they wanted from me and I didn't know what I wanted from them. I knew that I liked the idea of growing my own business and having my own practice. Uh, that sounded appetizing to me. It sounds like I was getting my chance to get into the, the markets, right? The stock markets, things of that nature. And so, um, so my wife was, after we leave, right? Cause we're there and the conversation was kind of rather dry, right? Uh, we didn't really know. He just kept saying, Hey, I, I really want you in our district. I really want you in our area. And, um, I'm going to send you a link if you want to join our training program. And I was like, okay, well, let me think about it. Right. We get home talking to my wife. My wife's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know because, um, it just sounds too easy. I, I don't think it's that easy. I think it's going to be a lot of hard work. And I told my wife, I was like, well, you know, you know, I'm trying to grow, you know, I'm doing well in insurance. And he says, Hey, by the way, I still can do insurance. And, and she said, ah, I just don't know. I'll leave you with the decision and you have to make the decision. So I'd say about a week went by and I kept thinking about it and I was showing back up to work still, you know, still meeting with clients, things of that nature. But again, I kept meeting with clients and he says, Hey, listen, I need someone to look over my retirement plan. I need someone to look and see if I'm on track to do what I need to do. And I'm like, listen, that's not my area. I can't help you. I don't know anything about that. All I know is insurance. I can get you insured. Uh, all I know is I can replace your income if something happens to your spouse. Um, all I know is if your wife, if, if either one of you, even if your wife was a housewife, I know she still needed insurance as well, because if something happened to her, you still would need to be able to take care of the kids and the family, and you're not going to quit your job to do that. So that cushion would allow you to be able to to find a, a provider or some type of uh, home care assistant or some daycare person that would be able to come in and take care of your kids when you couldn't because of your wife was gone. So I knew the importance of insurance. I knew both spouses needed it. I learned a lot about putting insurance on your children. So I learned a lot about that. And that's all I could offer. I became so obsessed with insurance. I learned every single nuance about it. I learned how to understand riders, knew what was powerful, what was not powerful, knew what to do at people of certain ages. I knew, I knew everything about life insurance. But people kept asking me, I need someone to look at my retirement plan. I need someone to look at my portfolio. Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? I'm so busy. I don't know anyone. I don't have anyone. And I said, no, 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 no. So the week goes by and I call the, I call the guy and I says, Hey, listen, I think I want to go into your training program. He says, okay, all right, you can do that. So he says, but here's what you need to know. What you need to know is you're going to have to resign from your your particular, your company that you're at now. I was like, well, I can't resign because, you know, that's my job. And he says, well, yeah, but if you get into our training program, we're going to pay you as we train you. I was like, okay, well, how much you guys pay? And he told me, I says, okay, that's, that's reasonable. I can live with that. He says, but you got to resign. 
Once you click submit, you have to put in your two weeks notice at your position. And I was like, um, okay. So he's like, Hey, do you want to go forward or not? Do you want your own office or not? Do you want your own assistant or not? Do you want your own name on the door on your own office or not? Do you want your name on the side of the building or not? And I'm saying to myself, I want all of these things. Do you want to help people with their retirement plans or not? That's what you said you wanted to do. I didn't say that. You said it. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I checked all the boxes for yes. So I clicked submit. Then I started drafting up my letter, my resignation letter to the insurance company. And um, they were like, oh, you sure you want to do it? I mean, you just got into insurance. You haven't even been in a really good two years. We sent you, we've invested all this money in you in your training. We've given you all this training. We've invested a lot in you. I was like, yeah, I know, but I'm ready to go to the next level. And they said, uh, are you really? Are you sure to go to the next? I said, yeah, well, I want to help people in retirement. I think there's so more, so many more questions re- revolving around that that no one seems to have answers for, not even my colleagues and my peers that's working here. And he says, all right, well, that's what you want to do. We'll accept your resignation, turn in my resignation. So that Monday, uh, the following Monday, all of this equipment shows up at my house, right? My apartment, if you will. So I get a laptop, right? I get a laptop. I get all this software, all these things show up. And it says, hey, you are now officially in our our training program. Give us your uh, bank account number. We're going to deposit your checks there that you'll be in the training. I was like, sweet. This is nice, right? So um, the training was going to last 60 days, right? So the training was going to last 60 days and it was 60 days every single day, right? They gave you Sundays off, but it was more six days a week that you had to be training. You had to be logged in. You had to log a certain amount of hours to train. And so what I was training for, their training program was for the series seven exam. It was for the series seven exam. And there, so I get in, I get on this conference call. It's me and it's other people all around. You had to introduce yourself. Hey, I'm from Minnesota. Hey, I'm from Arizona. And he had all of these people and I'm on, there were like 50 people. So we're all on this conference call. Everyone had to go around, introduce who they were, where they were from, said what what did they want to get out of the program? So we're all on this call. Everybody's telling you where they're from on the West Coast, East Coast, what have you. So we get on this call. So we're on this call. And once everybody does that, everybody says, okay. And so the person on the other line, it says, now let me give you, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys are all here. Let me set the expectations for what your training program will be about. You will be, you know, you'd have to be dedicated. You have to put a certain amount of hours in a week. You'd have to do this. You you were basically glued to your desk, um, probably anywhere between nine to 12 hours a day six days a week. And it was a very intense program. They were feeding you a lot of information. And I had all these binders, the biggest binders I'd ever seen in my life. And it was probably three binders that showed up with the laptop and some other software. And so I'm sitting in the apartment, carve out a little spot over on the kitchen table, and I begin to start studying, right? So they get on and everybody had, by this first time, everybody had their first mini exam. And the first mini exam, the the instructor was not pleased. He says, hey, I'm not pleased with the results. And and um, this is you're going to take a lot more time. You're not spending the right time. And he 
begin to start chewing us out. And he's like, hey, you, you don't want this. You know, it's fine. You can leave today. And he started doing this reverse psychology thing. And it reminded me back when I was in the military. So let me, let me fast forward. Let me kind of tell you what happened. So when he got off, before he got off the call, he says, I want everybody to know. And I want to know who knows and who does not know. Let me tell you what the pass ratio of the Series 7 is. The pass ratio is about 35% first time pass, right? And you're like, whoa. And he says, I only wanted to tell you that because you only, you're, we're only giving you one try. And I was like, oh. And he told everybody that. And no, it was silent. No one said anything. He says, you only get one try and you must pass it the first time around. And it's a 35% chance of passing. Right. And I was like, oh, crap. And so, and they said, and if you don't pass it, then your training contract is terminated and you no longer work for the company. I said, that's interesting. So he says that everybody was quiet and get out the phone. And I call my recruiter or the guy, he was the area manager or the area vice president. And I said, hey, listen, guy, um, why didn't you tell me that you guys would terminate my contract? I get fired. You made me, I just put in a two weeks notice, just started out with you guys. I basically quit my job to start with you guys. And you know what he told me? He's, these are his exact words. He says, Jenny, if I would have told you that, you would have never taken the risk. You'd have never taken the risk and this opportunity to become your own boss and to learn more about investments. You, if So if I'd have told you that, you would have never taken a risk. You would have never joined a program. I said to myself, yeah, you're darn right. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have put myself, wouldn't have put myself or my family in this situation. And again, we're building a house, right? We're building a house on what I thought that I would be making. And there's a 35% chance of passing. Then I get online and do more research and I find out what the chances are of passing as a minority which was even less. It, it was less than 15% chance um, because there was less than 2% minorities even in the field. And I had all of this pressure. And one thing I did not do was I did not want to tell my wife because I didn't need more pressure. I'd already had pressure, but I didn't need more pressure. I'm talking about becoming the financial evangelist and when you know when it's your time. So I start studying, but I start studying with a different intensity level, right? And because now I had to beat the odds. I literally had to beat the odds. And what was happening is my wife was like, hey, you're studying more. You're, you're up later. You're getting into your, I'm already sleeping. You're sliding into the bed. And you think I don't know that you, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning. I know. And so what's going on? I was like, oh, you know, I just... I feel like this is something I want to do for our family. And I've, I feel like I want us to do well with this new venture. And she's like, mm, okay, well, I mean, I'm glad you're, you know, you're into it and stuff like that. What she wanted to say was, you better not mess this up. But she had no idea that I was going to be terminated. And I really would literally have no job going to buy a house. And we had to have our down payment and all that. And I just didn't tell her. You know, I actually, I think I just recently told her about a, a year or two ago, and this was, this was more than 20 years ago. And I think I just told her like 18 years later It's so funny. But the, the point was 
so I study, I stay in this program. And um, again, I had already failed the series six the first time around. Remember when I was in an insurance company and I, I failed the first thing. So I knew what to expect as far as the level of intensity, but I just, I knew the series six was two hours, but the series seven was six hours. It was a six hour exam. You take three hours, they give you a 30 minute break, and then you go back for the additional three hours. And so the day had come, the time had come for me to take this test. So I'm driving all the way up to the other side of Sacramento. It's about an hour drive, hour and a half drive. I'm driving way up there. I get up there. I'm so nervous. And I had to drive. I got there early, didn't want to catch any traffic, did not want to be late. You get in, they have this, this thumbprint, this ID, these darn near retina scans, because a lot of people um, are not honest when taking this exam because it's such a difficult exam and their screening and their criteria is so tough. And so some people have been caught cheating, trying to get others to take the exam for them. And so it was a long process just to intake, you know, they had to run my social. It was really, really difficult. I'm getting, I was like, wow, this is a lot, but I was going to be there for six hours. So I get in there and my methodology and learning everything that I've learned when it comes to finance, and I think I mentioned this in my first podcast, is I had to write everything down. And I had to write everything down because I was a visual learner, but if I can write it down, I can see it and I can connect the dots. And it made it that much easier for me to understand finance. And that's, I think that's where I started getting the name of financial evangelist because I talk so much about finance, but I would always pull out a napkin. I would always pull out a piece of paper and I would draw to people how it actually worked. And I did that when it came to insurance as well. And that was just a gift that I had picked up trying to explain financial, um, instruments, financial, um, techno, I mean, finance, financial terminology was I would write it, draw it and make people understand it just by drawing pictures. And they would get it. Yeah, I love it. That's what I want. And so I use this same approach. I use it. I, I use this same approach when it, um, when it came to just understanding, um, what finance was about and trying to understand this series seven, which was a darn, it was one of the darn, it was one of the toughest tests I'd ever taken in my life. So soon as I sit down, first thing my methodology was when I sit down, what I want to do is write everything, do an information dump, draw all of my formulas, draw all of my calculations, just draw them. Don't even start the test because they, they started on a timer, but as soon as the timer started, I would just draw. And I took a scratch piece of paper. They gave you about three pieces of paper and one pencil, and that was it. And they gave you a simple calculator. You couldn't do any advanced, um, any advanced things with the with the um, calculations. It just gave you a simple calculator. And I started writing. I filled up two pages of um, notes, just writing. And how do we understand this? What's a spread? What's a straddle? What's a call? All of these terminologies that you had to know, even working on the stock market, um, the New York Stock Exchange, where all the people running downtown um, and when they're on the floor, the trading floor, you had to learn buys and sales. And so it was a lot of terminology, but those are all the things I just had in my head and I wrote them down and I wrote them on the piece of paper. Then I clicked into the first question and um, I got all the way 
through to the first half, but I was all only thing I was doing was referring back to the paper and the notes that I learned and the understanding. And I take my first break and I put all this water on my face and I'm stretching, I'm, you know, slapping my face and all this. And I felt pretty good about the first half. And to me, I'm like, okay, the first half was easy, you know, so I don't know what they're going to do for the second half. I log into the second half, right? We all go back, had to check back in again. You know, you have these lockers. You had to have nothing in your pockets. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything like this. So so I get there, and what happened is I start the second half, and literally they started with all these calculations from everywhere, and I says, oh, this is the intensity part. This is the, the second half is the part that take people out. And I was really, really nervous. All the answers weren't flowing to me as easily. And I was like, oh my God. You know, and all I kept thinking about is I got my wife. I never told her. I got the kids. We're in an apartment. If I can't get out of the apartment, if I don't have a job, we have to stay in an apartment. We have to stay cramped up. And I, all of these thoughts, I had all this extra pressure going on in my head, yet I'm still taking this exam. We're talking about becoming the financial evangelist. So what happens is when you take the exam, as I bring this to a close, when you take the exam, you it calculates and it gives you your score immediately. So I'm taking the exam and then you could you can go back and you can park questions. It's like, listen, I don't know this question yet, but I'm going to park this question and I'll take and if I have time at the end, I'll pick it up at the end. Well, I had about, I don't know, 10 questions that I was just really unsure of. So I parked them at the end and I came back and I had the time to go back through them. So I go back through these questions and some of the other questions allowed me the ability to understand what those questions would be. So what happened was I clicked submit. You know, I prayed first as, hey, if this is for me, if this is what you want me to do, if this is my journey, then against all odds, I, you got to help me deliver this test. And I clicked on it and I hit submit and the screen meter went back and forth, checking answers, back and forth, checking answers. It, it, it seemed like that was for about an hour, right? But it wasn't. It went back and forth, says checking answers, checking answers, checking answers, checking answers. And it came back with uh, 79%, Right. And I only needed to have 70% to pass. And it came back with a 79%. And I had passed. I had passed the exam that if I had failed, I was going to be fired. I was going to be terminated. I had passed. I had beat the odds. It was 35% chance of me passing, less than that for you know minorities. And I passed it. Right. So got a 79 and that's okay, but I still passed it. So I'm sitting in the car, 3 p.m., a little shortly after 3, and I'm sitting in the car. I am just crying. I am boohooing. And that's the reason why I was crying. That was the journey that set me on. Uh, that, was the, that, that was the starting point that set me on this journey to becoming a financial evangelist. And I knew then that whatever would happen after that, was all worth it. And it was all for me to get my direction and, and helping others change lives 
speaking into others, you cannot find, there are so many reviews that you'll see online for me. And because my clients, I just break things down for them. Like no one ever else broke things down for them. And I tell them, I had to know what this was to explain it to you. And so I went above and beyond to understand, stayed up late just to understand what some of these instruments were. So that is the story of how it all started. And what I'll share with you in my next podcast and the next several podcasts, I will take you through some journey, um, some stories of meeting with clients and understanding the breakout of different uh, investments and things of that nature. I went on a whirlwind for the next 20 years of understanding finances to the T. I'd like to thank you for joining me here on this podcast, on this journey, on the making of The Financial Evangelist. This has been Jenny Jones. Thank you.